And welcome to the Shoop Sports Broadcast channel, where we talk about sports from all across the nation. And today we have a, a special episode. I am here with fellow Brooklyn Nets fan, Mr. Chris Goodwin. And he decided to name the show the Very Good Win Podcast. Shout <laughs> out Bobby Altoff. Uh, but you know, you, you all, you guys all know about me, so I'm gonna pass off to my co-host. Let him introduce himself, say a little bit, and then we'll go into what we're talking about today. Hi, uh, I'm Chris. I'm uh, actually a relatively new Nets fan. Only started getting into the team about when uh, the KD Kyrie Harden era started. So, so my takes are new. They're fresh. Um, Maybe a little different perspective from your your average Nets fan. Um, happy to be here, Shoop. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? That perspective is definitely needed. I mean, a Nets fan like myself, who's been a fan of the team since 2006, really. That's when I first started watching them, back when Vince Carter led the team to the playoffs. I've seen a lot of heartbreak and BS. Um, and I'm perpetually let down by this team. So, yeah. Having a fresh Nets fan in here will definitely get a diff- bit of a different perspective in here. But uh, as Chris mentioned, we will be talking about the Brooklyn Nets today. And uh, we're going to be going into our season preview for them. We're going to go over a bit of last season. We're going to go over the depth chart. We're going to dive into specific players, the coaching, potential games on the schedule. And we're going to get you all prepared so that when the Nets tip off this season, you will know exactly what to expect. Does that sound good, Chris? That sounds good to me. Let's get it rolling. Excellent. So, diving into last season. The start of last season was totally different expectations-wise for the start of this upcoming season. Last season, we still had Kyrie. We still had KD. And we were expected after a very weird season past year where lots of injuries and getting swept by the Celtics that, you know, morale was down a bit, but we expected a little bit of a bounce back. Unfortunately, things never got off to the right foot as Kyrie was up to his usual BS and basically never, never really played for like a full season for the Nets. KD off injured again. So by midseason, Kyrie is dealt, KD is dealt, and the team looks totally different. So the Nets, who got to a good start that season, still end up making the playoffs, but do not win a game in the playoffs once again versus our rival 76ers. So six-seed Nets fall, and now that leads us into this season. So... Chris, what was your main takeaway from the end of last season? Um, what did you, what kind of things did you see with the current core players we have now? Uh, well, what were your basic observations? You know, I was uh, after the uh, the trade deadline. I was actually uh, very excited for the new team. Um, Katie put my heart through a roller coaster over the summer. Um, and then, uh, 
I was kind of ready for the trade emotionally, mentally. I was ready for a fresh start. And um, we got that. The team, um, after the trade deadline, it didn't have a positive record, but I was impressed they were able to tough it out and um, and still make the playoffs. I was really worried they were going to fall into the play-in, but they were able to hold on to that uh, top six seed, which uh, I, I was proud of. I was proud of it. Was, it was essentially three rosters on one team trying to come together with the last third of the season. It it must have been insane. They're, they're talking about how they essentially didn't have practices. You know, NBA teams don't really practice together at that point in the season. So these guys didn't have any time to get to get and you know um, to really play together outside of on the court itself. They didn't have time to get to know each other, um, but they were still able to make it to the playoffs. That uh, playoff performance was disappointing, but um, I just don't think they had the personnel to really pull off wins. I think they could have they could have they could have snuck in a win or two at best, but they were, they were never in a position to win that series. Um, Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie had a disappointing series, but, um, when he's your, your starting point guard and your second option, you're not, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to succeed. Um, I know Dinwiddie gets a lot of shit, but, um, I think he can thrive a lot more on the current roster. Yes. Uh, and speaking of that roster, we did absolutely lack personnel, but, the obvious bright spot for the Nets was the key piece that they got in the KD to Phoenix trade, acquiring Mikael Bridges, who was not, he was a budding star on Phoenix, but never had that chance to be in a lead role. And when he got to the Nets, he took that role by, by storm. He has a great drive to the range. He's got a great mid-range game and He's he's long. He's not afraid to to handle the ball himself. Uh, how impressed were you with Mikael Bridges after he was acquired by the Nets? I mean, I was uh, I was impressed as as impressed as everybody else was. Um, he really did look like uh, KD light immediately after the trade. He just his game looks a lot similar to KD's. Um, it almost felt like he didn't leave. I mean, what he was averaging 26, 27 points after he was traded to us. And you can't ask for much more than that. His defense did take a dip, but it was still solid. And his defensive load in theory this season is going to be lessened even more. Um, he's, he's He has more defensive help around him this season. Um, so his offense can flourish. Yes. So going off that, let's dive into the moves that were made this off season. Let's talk about the additions to this roster and strengths, weaknesses at the team. And then we'll go over our depth charts. But first, let's talk about where do we believe are the Nets the strongest right now? Where Where is the strength on this roster lie at? I would say positionally are, we're probably strongest at the small forward position. We have a lot of guys that could uh, that are just small forwards themselves can can play down to the small forward position can play up to the small forward position. We are good there. We're good on wings in general. Um, yes, we have O'Neal, DFS, Bridges, Johnson, um, 
a few new additions in um, Watford, Baisley, even Wilson. They, they can all play the small forward position. Um, mm-hmm. Nearly the like 65% of our roster can play at the three if we want them to. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at not only who they acquired last year, so you got Bridges and Cam Johnson, who are both uh, shooting guard, small forward uh, type players. Uh, Finney Smith is a power forward, but can shoot the three, as can O'Neal. And then you look at their draft picks with Wilson, Whitehead, Clowney, all guys that can play a forward position, all versatile guys. Um, it looks like they're trying to add to that that depth over there. Um, but I actually think that the strength uh, the, of this team right now is the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Just because um, we have – last year is really just Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie was the sole point guard. We didn't have a capable backup. Now we add in uh, hopefully rejuvenated Ben Simmons. I mean, all the reports coming out of camp is that he's looking like a better player. And, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, and we'll get to that later. But we all know that he was the former number one overall pick. So he should be very capable of at least being in a timeshare of that role. And then they also add Dennis Smith Jr., a very capable backup point guard off of Dallas. So now we've got a three-point guard rotation. So if one guy is not playing up to their potential, well, now we have guys that can replace him at that position. So although I do agree that the, the wings are a very strong position, the depth-wise, the point guard for me is the strongest position. Hmm. I will say I'm not sure I 100% agree with that assessment right now. I think the potential of our point guard position, um, if all goes correctly, um, it could be one of our strongest spots. But um, right now we have a lot of question marks still. Um, Dinwiddie, um, he, he was very successful at the point guard position last year. I think he was second in the league uh, in regards to assists per game after the trade deadline last year at about nine assists just behind Harden. Um, but as we saw, he can't be the only point guard you have in playoff, in the playoffs. So we have Simmons, but we don't know if we, we really do yet. I'm yes. the biggest Ben Simmons cheerleader we have, but uh, uh, we, we just need to see consistently first before we can slot him in there. And if we don't have – if Simmons gets shut down early in the season again, um, Dinwiddie and Dennis Smith Jr., is going to be a very weak backcourt. Um, Dennis does look really promising, though. I'll say that he's getting glowing reports out of camp. Everybody loves him. He's stepping up as a vocal leader. People have been impressed with him on the court as well. Um, so he's looking like an incredible addition, and he will really help with our um, guard defense this year, which was kind of lacking last year. We didn't have anybody who could uh, defend quick guards last season. Um, we, we had to use bridges for that, but even he would frequently get cooked by the faster guys. Um, he's better suited defending bigger guards and, um, smaller forwards, I would say. But, um, if Simmons is, is actually uh, healthy and, you know, 70, 80% of his, uh, Philadelphia self, um, Dinwiddie um, can thrive in that um, secondary ball handle role. DSJ is a competent backup. I think we will have one of the, the stronger rotations that won this season. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And there certainly is 
some uncertainty at that position. But I would say the wings are the most certain position, but the point guard position sure. has the potential to be the best. Now, with that uncertainty, does that make it the weakest position on the roster, in your opinion? Or is there somewhere else on the roster that is the most glaring weakness on this team? Uh, I would say uh, the most glaring weakness it's got to be – it's probably between center and shooting guard, but I'd go with shooting guard just because Nick Claxton is such a such a force for us. Um, at shooting guard, we have a lot of guys that can uh, play up and play down into that position, but at, in regards to pure shooting guards, we don't have a lot of proven players. There's um, We had Bridges playing there last year. He's played most of his career at small forward. He's definitely a competent shooting guard, but um, – not necessarily the position he's played at most in his career. But so in regards to pure shooting guards, we have um, Cam Thomas, obviously. Um, he had a up and down last season. His ups were as about as high as they could be. His downs were he wasn't getting any playing time. And the rhetoric this offseason, with Jacques Vaughn at least, seems to be that he's he doesn't have a guaranteed role this season. I know a lot of people wanted him to be in the rotation. They wanted him to even start. But um, we'll find out more during the preseason games. But um, it seems like that's far from a guarantee. They brought in Lonnie Walker, who had some, um, who had an incredible, I believe it was a quarter in the, the Lakers Nuggets series. He ended up winning them a game. Um, we, uh, it still remains to be seen if he can be a consistent playoff contributor, but he, he definitely he definitely took a step forward last year, and I think he'll take a step forward for the Nets. He's just not a proven guy yet. Um, mm -hmm. And beyond that, I don't think we have any pure shooting guards on the roster. Yes. Now, overall, as a position, it's troublesome. But like you said, we have guys like Cam Johnson who can slide up into that role and play it somewhat effectively. Yeah, uh, yeah. What I worry about as a fan, and actually before I get into that, I want to touch on Cam Thomas a little bit. You mentioned the highs were as high as possible. Yeah, he was dropping 40, 50-point games back-to-back uh, -back middle of the season, and everyone was super excited about this guy. But the problem is we all forgot that when he is on court, on the other end, he is a huge liability, and I'm talking about on defense. And that is exa exactly why he's not getting minutes that and while he can score in bunches he is probably the biggest ball hog on this team although Dinwiddie sometimes he takes mm -hmm. that role depends on the game but Cam Thomas like it's just I think it's really maturity you know we all see the talent but can he put it all together uh, so we'll see that coming up this season but in terms of weakest position I would like very... to say on Cam Thomas I've been watching um the interviews around him in the preseason, his interviews, and it looks like he has um, he has kind of understood that his maturity has been holding him back, and it looks like he's he's trying to take accountability for that. So we'll see if it uh, he's able to keep it up. He's been uh, very professional in his interviews. Yes, and the coaching staff knows the talent he has. That's why they're not mm -hmm. just outright getting rid of him. That's they're 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 holding on to him and hoping that he can develop into an all around player because then he could be a a significant player in this rotation. So I'm very disappointed that the Nets didn't address backup center this offseason. Now, De'Aaron Sharp is still young. I believe this is his second season. Uh, so, And he, I think he was a second-round pick. So he doesn't have much expectation to begin with. 
But the problem is when Claxton, who I can rave about him all day, he's blossomed into a very good center. He's great defensively. He's excellent. He's got he's excellent putting the ball in the bucket when close to the rim. He's one of the best in the league at doing that. Very efficient with his uh, shooting percentage. But when he gets into foul trouble, and considering how how weak we are in the back court or or the front court, I mean, that happens pretty often. And he gets in foul trouble often. And we got put sharp in, and then we're just exposed defensively. Uh, you, you see it when you have guys like Embiid, who can drive to the paint at will because either Claxton's going to foul him or they're going to not have Claxton in and they're just going to get bullied. Um, I would love to see a veteran center added just for defensive purposes. And I know that that hinders the ability to uh, stretch the court, but it's going to be the same problem again, where Claxton's going to have to play 35 to 40 minutes a game. And if he gets in foul trouble or if he even gets hurt, then we are in big trouble on the defensive end because none of our other main players have that ability that Claxton does. Yeah, um, we definitely uh, haven't addressed center as as much as a lot of fans would have liked. I'm actually not on the boat of a, a veteran center. I don't think that's, that's what this team necessarily needs. Um, I don't hate the direction we went in in regards to how we how we plan on it planned on addressing center this season. They do believe in Sharp. They've been gassing him up the uh, past few weeks. They're going to give him some run. Um, apparently, he's been working hard. Uh, this is his, this is his, his big opportunity, so he'll, we'll, we'll see how much he's grown since last season because he they gave him some run last season too. Not a lot, but they gave him some run, and he wasn't able to earn any minutes. They ended up going, going into small ball. Um, when uh, when Claxton wasn't on the court, they mostly relied on Dorian Finney-Smith to um, play at the five. And it seems like their their backup plan to Sharp this season is is going to be very similar. Dorian Finney-Smith, and they added a bunch of guys who are usually play at the four um, and will play up to the five, I imagine, like uh, Baisley, Watford, and, and Giles. I imagine they're going to hope one of those guys can uh, play at the five. And I know some of them um, can shoot the ball a little bit. Maybe I don't think I think Baisley Baisley has some potential for three point shooting. I don't think he's proven it. Um, don't know too much about Giles his three point percentage, but uh, I, I'm I'm thinking they they want to use these guys as potential floor spacers. Giles it looks like he. Um, he shot well in Portland on very few opportunities. So he has potential there, but not. A, I would say Sharp might even have more three-point shooting potential than a lot of these guys. So we'll, 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 see, we'll see what they do. I don't think they'll be playing Simmons at the five very often this season um, just to keep him healthy. And I don't think that looked very good last year. Um, you're, you're really not utilizing Simmons' full potential if you're sticking him on fives defensively. That's... That's the position he defends worst. Um, I think you're really you're really ruining him there. Um, mm-hmm. So we're we're just I'm, I'm guessing they're just gonna try to stick fours that can shoot next to next to him um, when Claxton is off the floor to to try to get four four floor spacers out there around him. But but we'll see we'll see. It's definitely one of the weaker positions or, or the weakest position outside of Claxton. We have a 
Claxton and a lot of question marks. Uh, yes, most definitely. Uh, so let's get into our depth chart project projection. So I'm going to go over my starting five first and my rotation prediction. And you just tell me how it differs and we can debate from there. Okay. So I believe that the starting five is going to be Ben Simmons at the point, And then you have Cam Johnson, de facto shooting guard, Mikhail Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton. Pretty much the same as last year, except you slide Simmons into that starting role. And then I believe Dinwiddie comes off the bench this year. And then you get Dennis Smith Jr. as an upper rotational guard, Lonnie Walker, Royce O'Neal, and of course, Daron Sharp to relieve Claxton. I believe those five players are the ones that are going to get minutes aside from the starting five. And then my final roster picks, well, I think that Cam Thomas, I do think he makes the roster but doesn't get much minutes. I think Jalen Wilson will make the roster as well, not get much minutes. And then guys like Harry, Harry Giles and Darius Baisley will also be on the roster. And Noah Clowney with guys like Dariq Whitehead going down to the G League. And then I really don't know too much about uh, Watford um, or there's one more guy. Um, Did you Armani say Uh Baisley, I think, will be like um, an end of the roster guy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Armani Brooks and Trenton Watford. I don't really. Armani see Brooks just on to say, you know, he he has a two way, and so does um, so Watford? does Jalen Wilson. Okay, so yeah. yeah, so those are those are guys that are probable roster cuts, maybe just G League guys, um, but. Where do you differ from what I just said? Okay, I actually, I actually do differ a little bit. Um, I think the starting lineup is going to be Simmons. I think Dinwiddie will will be starting at the shooting yard, but he'll he'll run more of the half court court offense, and um, Ben will be pushing in transition. I think um, at the three we'll have uh, Bridges. At the four we'll have uh, Cam Johnson, and at the five we'll have Claxton. So I think. Um, Finney Smith will be coming off the bench this year. Um, I think the, they'll, they'll want to have the secondary ball handling in in um, in Dinwiddie. I think they'll they'll de- I think they'll want to start Simmons. Jacques Vaughn is saying it's still a competition right now. They still don't have the uh, the starting lineup set, but I, I think they're committed to the idea of Simmons and Dinwiddie starting together. They've been talking about it a little bit. They've been playing them together right now um, in practice. Cam Johnson, they're just going to start him. They, they just paid him. They're, they're, they're starting him this year. He played a little bit at the four last year. Um, he's he's a bit undersized. He's tall. He's like 6'8". He, he's a bit skinny, but um, I think having Simmons on the court um, to potentially to help defend bigger fours, um, having Claxton to help switch, I, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue. Um, yeah, and then in regards to the, uh, the five after, that'll be getting minutes. Um, well, DSJ will be getting minutes. I'm confident in that. Um, between, I think it, Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker will be battling for minutes all off season. And I think, I think Walker is going to win at least initially. Um, Jock Vaughn has been saying that, uh, Cam Thomas has been getting minutes with guys like DSJ and Dorian Finney-Smith in practice. They've been playing, uh, pickup together, but, um, 
I still don't. I still don't expect Cam Thomas to win minutes. I think they're they're playing the pay with him. Um, so I think it'll be uh, Dennis Smith Jr., DSJ, um, Lonnie Walker. Then we'll have Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith at both forward spots, and the backup center being Sharp. Um, Sharp is definitely getting run early in the season. Jock Vaughn has said it multiple times. Um, and the fact that Jock said uh, Finney, Cam, and DSJ have been playing a lot together makes me think that Finney-Smith actually is going to be coming off the bench come the start of the season. I think we'll get a. I don't think we'll get too clear of a picture at the first preseason game, considering Cam Johnson isn't playing. So if if Cam Johnson is is ready for the second game, I expect that to be our starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely a bit similar, but yeah, definitely major switch there. Finney Smith was the starter for the second half of last year, but with Simmons coming back healthy, maybe we strengthen our our second rotation and get a little taller back there. So, and I like the comments that you brought up with, with Jack Vaughn and how they're running those three together. Uh, I think it definitely makes sense then that they're going to run them as a second team. Um, so leading off, leading off after this, uh, do you expect this team to stay as it is throughout the season or do you expect them to address any positions or do you think they're just going to ride out what they have? Um, I don't expect them to make any, any real, um, roster moves in the, during the season. I think they're going to try to keep this group together, um, let them play for an entire season and then, then, uh, then address things as need be in the off season. They'll, they'll take notes. They'll, they'll see who's performing, who isn't performing. If this core is worth trading for, you know, potential, Embiid or somebody else asking out and um or if or if it's worth selling bridges and starting the rebuild which i i, I wouldn't condone for whatsoever but um no, no i think i think this the the roster going into training camp is going to be the same uh i believe we have 18 players going into to training camp two two-way contracts um I think I think somebody like Giles will get a, another two way, and then Watford and Bayser are gonna make the um, make the official roster. I don't think any of these guys are getting cut. Um, we'll see. I th- I, th- I think this is the group they want to roll with, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense because young roster, not a ton of expectations, and they're not necessarily a piece away. They're just more development away from being in contention so i don't really see any trade candidates on his team unless you know it is kind of crowded at that point guard position so maybe one of them gets dealt if we figure out our shooting guard situation mm-hmm. that would be really the only thing i see but it's not like i mean simmons is expensive but besides that all our expensive guys are guys we want as core guys so i, I don't see a sh- shedding salary nor do i see anyone wanting to pick up Simmons' salary if he doesn't play up to expectations. So I will say before we uh change subjects, I I actually do expect um some sort of deal to be made in regards to Finney Smith or Royce O'Neal. I actually I would think it'd be Royce O'Neal considering he's expiring. Um and um Finney has a long team friendly contract. 
and just from the interviews I've seen with the uh, these guys, it seems like Finney's um, Finney's just a. Uh, I mean, it's, it's you can't really tell from these interviews, but it seems like Finney Smith is going to be more important for the locker room. It seemed like O'Neal in O'Neal was that last season too. It seems like he is also good for the the locker room, but Finney seems like just a great guy to have around your team, and I think they're going to want to keep him around. But um, they fall into this like uh, archetype of like older um, wings that don't have much more potential to improve on their game, and we have some young wings that I'm sure they want to give opportunity to. So I could see them trading a Royce O'Neal at the deadline, um, hopefully getting back a first if he's playing well enough. Um, a contender could really use a, a Royce O'Neal or a Dory Finney, Dorian Finney-Smith more than we could. Um, and these guys don't necessarily fit the timeline of the, the you know 27-year-old Bridges and Cam Johnsons and Ben Simmons of the world. Very good points. Absolutely, Royce O'Neal. He had he had some good moments, and he provided quality minutes, but definitely isn't a long term part of this team. So, if anything, he could get traded. So, uh, completely forgot about him. So, super glad you brought him up. Uh, so, before we move on and and go into our season predictions, so let's talk about one player that you think will exceed expectations this coming season, and then give me a player you are not expecting too much from that you think will be a disappointment. Hmm. Okay. I'm thinking, um, I feel like this is a, an easy answer. Maybe it isn't, maybe, maybe it isn't, but, um, because we've been talking about him back and forth at the podcast, but everybody's been so glowing about Dennis Smith jr. that I'm just expecting big things from him this season. Earlier in the offseason, I was wondering if he'd make the rotation. I mean, we have Simmons and Dinwiddie there. Cam Thomas needed to get minutes. But I think um, th- he was the first pickup uh, the Nets made in the offseason. I think it was almost immediately. Um, it seems like they're really committed to him. He was watching the playoffs last year, and he was like, the team needs somebody like me. He was He went out of his way to join the roster, and he is exactly what we need. I think he'll be big for the team this year. Who I'm not expecting a lot from. Mm, it's easy. I mean, this is this might be a just a an easy bailout answer, but obviously, Clowney is young. Um, there's so many wings and centers ahead of him. He he could play at the four. He could play at the five. But um, he's just not getting any playing time this year. He looked uh, very raw during the summer league. Uh, I don't I don't expect him to get minutes over any of these guys. They'll try out Watford, Giles, and Baisley before him. Like the guys that kind of fit in that four, maybe play up to the five spot. Um, they're doubt. I mean, they have him under contract for a few more years, and these guys, odds are all of them will be off the team next year. So they're definitely going to want to give them minutes ahead of him. Um, in regards to anybody else that'll disappoint, maybe a, another hot take I could give is I think Cam Johnson won't live up to his contract. Um, I, I wanted to retain him. I like Cam Johnson. I think we, we've kind of already seen who he is, and I don't think his game will expand too much. Um, I think it's important to have him on the team because it's important to retain Bridges because Bridges Bridges will bring in superstars, and Bridges has the potential to become a become him, one himself. Dame Lillard didn't want to come to Brooklyn because New York City. Maybe that's part of it, but he wanted to come to Brooklyn because Bridges was here. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of players around the league will feel the same way. And if we didn't give Cam Johnson a contract, um, you're really upsetting your the, the player you want to build around for the future. Um, Cam Johnson's going to get a lot more on his plate this year. Um, and I don't think he will um, be able to capitalize on his um, expanded role. I think he'll – he did look good in the playoffs last year. He didn't look great over the um, – the FIBA Summer League um, Championship. So um, I, I can't I can't give you any uh, real reasons other than my gut tells me Cam Johnson's going to underperform this year. I mean, you could certainly say that with this contract. It was a lot of money to shell out, but it's kind of what mediocre teams have to do mm-hmm. to keep talent around, uh, especially young talent like that is – Throw money because otherwise, then other players are going to leave. So it was certainly a good decision on that front. But yeah, he I can certainly see him not paying up to playing up to expectations. It's going to be about consistency with him. He's mm-hmm. going to have his off shooting nights, but can he do other things on the court to add value to help this team get some wins? Um, so going into uh, the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing this season is Nick Claxton. And we all saw how much better he got last season. But I really believe that he has that potential to ascend to an all-star level player this year because he can really – if he can develop a bit of an outside shot, he can be a complete all-around player. I mean, defensively, like, he was hanging tough with some of the best centers in the league last year. Um, if he, Obviously, he, he was getting himself into foul trouble a little bit too often. But that's because of all the pressure that was being put on him with the lack of uh, other resources we had on defense. If he can fine-tune some of those details and develop a, a bit of a shooting game, well, we could see him rise to being one of the top centers in the league. I really believe he has that potential. Um, and in terms of disappointment, we talk about Ben Simmons. All the workouts are saying he's looking great. And he's the one player on this roster where I feel like he can make or break our team. And I'm actually feeling a bit hopeful that Simmons is actually going to contribute something very valuable this year and put all of his diva personality to the side. So that's exactly why I think he's going to disappoint me because <laughs> uh, I still feel like he's he thinks that he's this big celebrity who's bigger than the game and whether his mental health issues were true, I'm not here to debate that, but it's it's just been distraction after distraction after setback their distraction, you know, not playing well here, getting booed, like not playing well against Philadelphia, you know, just getting completely like caught up in that, in the, in the booze and the chance, you know, all that stuff. I want him to succeed, but I just really feel like he might just be a lost cause at this point. We have to find out. Uh, he's obviously, he'll, he'll never lose that talent, but if he can't put it mentally together, then he's just going to be a giant disappointment. So I'm hoping for the best, but I'm not – I'm, like, optimistic, pessimistic, if you, mm-hmm. if you understand. I would say I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling optimistic about Ben this year. Um, of course, we uh, we know about the surgery. It does have the year-and-a-half recovery time, and he's that's, – that's about right on line with the start of this season. So um, if his issues were physical last year, as he claims um, – and this is this is the the prove it or um, the prove it or where he's out of the league year. Um, he's not going to be out of the league after this year, of course. But um, 
I think I think very early on we'll see whether or not Ben Simmons is um, going to be able to be a consistent, talented NBA player anymore in this league. I, I think we'll know within like a preseason game or two, to be honest, because you'll just be able to see if the athleticism is there or not. It's as simple as that. He didn't that athleticism wasn't there last season. You could see the back was still bothering him. Yeah, this is this is it for me. I really think we'll see it within the first two games. Um, going back to Nick Claxton, I completely agree. I think he's already up there with the uh, big centers in the league. I think he's top ten. He's I think he's pretty, pretty. I'm pretty confident that he's a top center, ten center in the league right now. And you know, we talk about Ben Simmons with his mental, mental health issues that people say he he's not interested in basketball. He doesn't want to play basketball. Nick Claxton is the complete opposite on that front. The man has so much confidence. He, like when people say somebody has the dog in them, Claxton has a dog in him. I mean, like he's always going to be working to get better. In regards to the floor spacing, he's been talking about how he wants to start taking threes this year. He's gonna. He, he said his goal is to take one three a game. So we'll see if that actually ends up happening. I'm. I believe whatever the man says. Um, I think he'll take a three a game. Will it look pretty? Probably not. Um, he still hasn't figured out the free throw shooting. I think a lot of us are still forgetting that. Well, we haven't seen it at least yeah. yet. He was looking good toward the last couple months of the season. He bumped up that percentage. Let's see if he translates towards this year. His, his free throw form looks like it's evolved into its next stage. It had that hitch last year. And the off, he's gotten rid of that. Um, and he hasn't been mentioning the free throw shooting. Nobody else has been, been mentioning it. I think it's... I think it's behind him. I think he's. I think he thinks he's figured it out. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I have a lot. I have very high expectations for Claxton this year, and I. I think he. He. He's. I think he has a a chance at Defensive Player of the Year this year. Maybe not with the team. Well, maybe maybe not because the, our team just going to underperform relative to the top dogs in the. Uh, in the league so it's going to be hard for him to um to get votes because if you're not on a not on a great team you're just going to have a, a tougher chance of winning defensive play of the year but uh i think he'll really make all defensive teams here he's already starting starting the narrative around him did you see the uh the blood boiling comments i have not he uh was it media day it was a media day or another interview and uh, an interviewer asked him a question about um, how he felt that he didn't make an all-defensive team. And he was like, he was visibly very upset and disappointed. Um, and he, he said it made his blood boil that he was snubbed. He, he was like, Good. even after Kading Kyrie are traded, uh, my numbers didn't drop off at all. I, I was playing just as well. Um, and he was top three in defensive player of the year conversations before they were traded. Um, I completely agree. I think he actually should have made all defensive team over Bam last year. Bam wasn't looking that great in the regular season. He looked elite in the playoffs, but his defense fell off during the regular season. I think he, Claxton was definitely a better defensive player um, during the regular season last year. He should have, he should have made at least, he should have made the all defensive team hundred mm-hmm. percent. And, he certainly has a case to this year. Uh, good, good point on the free throw shooting because that was that left a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouths mm. a couple of years ago in that game four. Uh, but he took a step forward, like slightly forward, this past season, and mm. I expect that and his shooting get better. And hey, if it's ugly, I mean, 
you see how Draymond Green shoots threes? Like mm. it's always ugly, but he makes them sometimes, and he does. Really help the team. So now we've, we've we've gone through the roster. We've gone a little bit about our expectations. So now it's our time to give our predictions. But before we do so, first a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, mm. We are sponsored by Arici London. If you are interested in getting jewelry to enhance your look, they have necklaces, bracelets, and other jewelry. So if you're interested, please go to the link in the description box and use code SHOOP for 25% off. Additionally, now back to the topic at hand. So going to this season, the Nets have five primetime games on ESPN, TNT, and a game versus the Suns on New Year's Day on ABC. Uh, they also, so going into their uh, projections for Vegas, Vegas has their total at 37 and a half wins. They are fourth out of five to win the Atlantic at plus 3,000. They are eight out of 15 to win the East, and they are 20 out of 30 to win the finals. And those are all Vegas projections. So we, we kind of already hinted at where you think this team is going this year. Now we have the biggest projections, not a ton of primetime games, so not a lot of expectations by public. So let's go worst case scenario, best case scenario, and then where you think they end up. So worst case scenario, um, well, let's just say everything rides on Ben Simmons, um, whether or not he's going to be available this year and playing at a, relatively elite level completely completely shapes um what this um uh, what this win total is going to be where this team ends up um worst case scenario ben um ben is shut down early in the season um the team is uh has dinwiddie and dsj running the point and i think the duo just won't be enough um cam thomas uh is traded at the deadline for peanuts Cam Johnson disappoints. Bridges isn't as efficient as he was last year. Defenses sort of figure him out. Um, and the team isn't sure they want to build around him in the future. Um, Claxton, I think he's going to be pretty consistent no matter what. Um, worst case scenario, though, um, you decide not to pay him in the offseason and he leaves for nothing. Um uh, worst case scenario, this team looks pretty bad. I would say. I think the floor of this team is is pretty pretty low. I think uh, I, I can see a world where, um, in the worst case scenario, we fall short of the play-in. Really, um, best case scenario though, Simmons is healthy, he's consistent. Um, that's some Cam Thomas again. Cam Thomas breaks out. He's a consistent, um, at least rotational piece. Bridges takes off for where he was last year. Cam Johnson exceeds expectations. Nick Claxton takes that next step forward. This team is, I would say, I would say in the, the best case scenario, they can make fifth or sixth seed. Um, I think fifth is a bit, bit ambitious, but um, I think they can avoid the play-in in the best case scenario. They're not winning a championship, but they can make playoffs and give a team a tough time in the first round. Yeah, so uh, for my worst-case scenario, and obviously they're going to be pretty similar because it's best and worst, but, um, yeah, so Simmons doesn't figure it out, and we still struggle with what was our 
really our biggest issue last year, and that was closing out games. Mm. It seemed like we were in a lot of tight battles, and all of them, we never, we didn't have a guy to take the clutch shots at the end, and we didn't necessarily go grab a guy. I mean, there's not many guys in the league that you can grab that can do that, mm. but the Nets continue to struggle to close out close games, and then they get blown out by the good teams, leading us to what well, I think maybe 25 and 67 could be like our worst case scenario where we still have the talent and shooting to take over on certain nights and we'll play good defense certain nights, but we're just outclassed by a lot of better teams in the NBA. Best case scenario though, if Simmons is back to his normal self and he feels a vengeance and just like how Claxton feels a vengeance now, he's got motivation coming into this year and Bridges ascends to an even further level. Well, then this could be a very scary team. And you look at the East, we know that the Bucks are and the Celtics are going to be the, the contenders. But then you have the 76ers, which we they still have Embiid, but we're not really sure about the rest of the team. We don't even know if Harden's playing right now. It doesn't look like he is, but obviously there's time to repair that relationship. But the, that supporting cast still isn't – it's not elite. I mean, they'll, they'll still be a playoff team. But there's – certainly room to mm-hmm. in that middle range to to make an impact go in i mean the heat the, their plans got spoiled in the offseason they all thought they're getting damian lillard maybe they're they'll suffer a letdown this season um and then some of these other teams like the atlanta hawks trey young could be inconsistent you know um i guess what i'm saying is the best case scenario is all the potential scenarios for the other eastern conference teams mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of them uh you know, not hitting their expectations happens and the Nets play scrappy ball and win a bunch of close games. And they could, I think, be as high as the third seed, but maybe with a lower record, like a 47 and 35, just because the rest of the East isn't on par. I, I don't think there's any chance. I think the Bucks and the Celtics are both yeah. 55 plus win teams. Um, and from third and on, it, it's a crash shoot. Lots of question marks. Mm-hmm. So that's best case. That's worst case. What is the prediction for this year? Um, my prediction, I think um, I have faith in Ben Simmons to be to be healthy and competitive this year. Um, and I think that's the, the most important thing to um, t- for the Nets to hit the over on these Vegas odds. I think Ben Simmons health is baked into them. Um, I think uh, the odds aren't sure either whether or not Ben Simmons will be healthy. So if he is, I think he, uh, we definitely exceed those odds. I think the Nets uh, could be a 42 win, win uh, team this season. Yep. Um, my prediction was 40 and 42, but that's, yeah. it's, it's obviously you're over I'm under, but it's pretty similar. Uh, and I do want to acknowledge one thing that we didn't really talk about on this episode, and that's Jock Vaughn. And I think Jock Vaughn, I, w- I don't know if I'd rank him in like as an elite coach, but I think I'd put him in the top half. He's not a flashy name, but he gets the most out of his roster. And during that time, you know, when the Nets trade away their pieces or when they, they had pieces like Kyrie and KD and they weren't able to play, he was still able to get a lot of guys like like Edmund Sumner and uh, 
other other rotational guys and really get, get a Watanabe. Yeah, Watanabe, exactly. Uh, and I think that is a boost to an otherwise weak roster that'll help us win more games this season. But I am optimistic about some of these players stepping up and taking on bigger roles, but I'm very pessimistic on this team's ability to close games. It was very apparent last year, and unless Dinwiddie, unless Dinwiddie has changed something, because apparently he's the clutch shot taker we have, and he hasn't been a very good one. Unless that changes, then I think the Nets will be locked in a lot of close battles, and it won't always go their way. If they had a guy, if like if Bridges can become that guy, maybe to be the close to cl- the closeout guy, and we can just stop turning the ball over at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. The last two games it always happens. Ugh. Then the Nets could ascend to potentially 44 and 38. But I think around 500 is 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 a decent record. I think they'll be in that playing tournament, and maybe they'll win. But it's unfortunately going to lead them to play the Celtics or the Bucks, who just gro- will grossly outperform out of those teams. Yeah, unless there's major injuries. Hopefully, we can get a a win this year. Hopefully, we can make playoffs and we can get one win. That's what that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, and you know you're right. But what I really want is to just we had this culture going back when. D'Angelo Russell and the original Dinwiddie and like Lavert and Allen, that core that we had about five years ago. We after that failure of a trade that we had, we started to develop this reputation as an organization that we're an organization that players want to come play with, and that no matter who's on the court, we have expectations that we want to win. And there's got to be more of that this season. Uh, and I'm mostly looking at Ben Simmons, you know, as a guy that should step up in that locker room and be more of a leader than a distraction. And overall, I just want to see this team continue to keep their heads up in games, not give up, and fight throughout the season. I think that's what we really want. We don't think this team will contend this year, but we certainly have pieces. And there's, you know, there's always time for the next free agent to come around mm-hmm. that might want to play here. So. Let's just hope for that. Yep. All right. I completely agree. All right. So that was our season preview for the Brooklyn Nets this season. And if you like this content, then me and Chris will come back at it again. We'll maybe review certain weeks, months, uh, in-season play. I'd certainly love to have you again on the show, Chris. You were a pleasure. I'd love to be to back. Be with. Yes, um, but yeah, so let's go Nets. And if you like this podcast, then make sure to give us a follow. If you're not subscribed to Shoop Sports on YouTube, please do so. Link in the description. And do you have anything else to say, Chris? Nets play um, Monday, 9 p.m., first preseason game. Get our, Let's get our first look Simmons and start making predict, real predictions about this season based off of um, – these guys play and we for having me shoop and uh, have a wonderful night you too and to our audience we will see you later